Coming up on today's Locked On Big Ten, Kevin McGuire is in, switching up Tuesday and Monday co-hosts so Kevin can talk to us about the Big Ten State-Iowa matchup from over the weekend and also break down the five Big Ten teams in the AP poll top 10 and what it means for everyone here in the Big Ten. That's coming up right here. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. I'm Nate Dickinson, your host today. I'm joined by our usual Tuesday co-host here on a Monday show. It's Kevin McGuire of Locked On Nittany Lines. He and Jay Stevens are switching it up this week. Jay will be on tomorrow. But we had to get Kevin on here right away on a Monday to help us recap the big game against Penn State and Iowa. That is coming up. But Kevin, we've got to start off with the biggest news of the day in the Big Ten. Five Big Ten teams in the top 10 in the latest AP poll. Your Nittany Lions come in at number eight, seven in the coaches poll. Give them that credit. But it's a dominant showing from the Big Ten Conference. Again, your initial reaction to seeing so many Big Ten teams, so many Big Ten teams on your side of the conference in the East in that top 10. I was kind of anticipating it when BYU went down to Boise state, I saw, you know, the number 10 spot was opening up and Michigan state was sitting right there. So as soon as Michigan state took care and then pulled away from Rutgers, I figured, all right, well, there's a very good chance that five teams from the big 10 are going to be in this top 10, uh, no matter what else happens. Cause we knew that Penn state or Iowa was going to lose. Uh, I think it was going to fall out of the top 10. So it's a really good showing uh, at least for the top half of the conference Obviously, those are the only five teams in the top 25. So I think it would help the Big Ten from a depth perception if there was another team or two kind of floating around maybe in the bottom half of the top 25. But to have five of the top 10 teams in the country is amazing to me. Uh, It speaks very high volumes of the Big Ten East in particular, at least the way that things have started for this season. It also tells you that it's going to be an amazing second half of the season in this Big Ten East because... Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State, they all still have to play each other. So I, I don't know if they're going to emerge above everybody else or if somebody or if this is a division that's just going to beat itself to a pulp right now uh, because it does seem fairly wide open or as open as it's been in a long time. And you know, certainly if the rankings are indicative of what we're in store for uh, coming up in, starting a couple of weeks after a bye week for a few of these teams, it's going to be a wild finish to the season, certainly in this Big Ten East. You know, I can't say there's as much drama in the Big Ten West right now, but Big Ten East has a lot of drama in store for it, I think. Yeah, let's talk about that West for a second. I want to get back to the East in a minute, but how much of that is, I mean, this is obviously Iowa's division to lose right now, but it's at a point where in my head, the Hawkeyes have themselves pretty much an entire game of breathing room. The only one lost teams on that side are Purdue and Minnesota. You have to figure those teams are going to lose again at some point along the way. So really, Iowa, I think, has given itself a loss of breathing room and won enough games where that, even if it loses, honestly, I think to anyone at this point, if it goes in and wins the rest of the way and wins a Big Ten championship game with one loss, I feel like it secured itself 
some wiggle room as far as being secured a college football playoff spot. Again, anything can happen as far as the rankings go and losses, who it would come to probably would end up mattering. But I see a scenario where right now Iowa can be saying we can afford to lose. Probably uh, again, you know, right. there's so many different variables in play, but I would feel like you're, if you're Iowa and you, know, you end the season as big 10 champion, uh, certainly if you're undefeated, there's no way you're going to miss out on the college football playoff this time. If it's one loss and you're still a big 10 champion, you probably have a pretty decent chance to get in there too, because I can't imagine too many scenarios are still out there where a one loss big 10 champion is going to be left out when all said and done in a 14 field. Now, obviously, you know, the SEC could still get up getting two teams in. Uh, there's the whole Cincinnati thing that's floating out there right now, which is as strong of a case as ever for a group of five team. Oklahoma still hasn't lost yet. Uh, so, you know, if Oklahoma or Oklahoma State can run the table in the Big 12, that could uh, complicate things a little bit as well. But bottom line is, if you're Iowa and you do end the year with one loss, you know, you already have a win against a top five Penn State team. You know, who would that win against the uh, the Big Ten East champion come against? Would it come against Ohio State? You no, know, certainly that would be a, a real cherry on top of a, an awesome season for Iowa if that ends up being the case. Or whoever comes out of the East is probably going to be relatively highly ranked. So you obviously have a great opportunity in a Big Ten championship game scenario. Uh, and getting back to the point, I don't know if Iowa's going to lose a game. I think this is the game that they were probably going to be most likely to lose. We'll see what happens with Wisconsin. We'll see what happens with Nebraska. Those are two teams that could probably hang with Iowa, but the way that that defense is just picking off passes and the way that Wisconsin and Nebraska quarterbacks have been going this year, can't say there's a whole lot of confidence that they're going to be able to overcome what Iowa has been doing. So, you know, take it from firsthand experience, I think from this weekend, uh, that Iowa defense is going to be very difficult for anybody in that big 10 West to catch up to. I just don't think it's a team that, is going to mess up twice, absolutely, the rest of the way. And that's, that's really, at this point, what has to happen. Iowa has to mess up twice the rest of the season, excluding, of course, whoever it ends up playing what would be a very exciting, obviously, Big Ten championship game because of what's happening on the other side, uh, what, what's going on in the Big Ten, Kevin. There's a, a huge, huge fight as we talked about just a second ago going on for that east title and i think it sets up something that i'll talk about in a minute is really ideal for the big 10 as a whole as a conference but really what are you taking in as one of those teams that are in that fight a team that now has a loss too where are you at with what that kind of battle is going to mean for whatever team comes out of it because that's still really undecided because these teams still have to beat up on each other. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. You know, I feel like most of the teams have a particular strength and a particular weakness that can be exposed uh, for Penn state. Well, we'll see what happens with the quarterback situation, but running game is still a concern, but the defense is clearly a strength. Uh, Ohio state seems like they have hit their stride once again and doing the things that Ohio state is supposed to be doing, but what do you say about the level of competition they've been doing it against? You know, are they going to be able to keep that up against Michigan and Penn State and maybe Michigan State? We'll have to wait and see. And then Michigan was kind of on the ropes a little bit. Nebraska kind of gave it to them at the end there, but they credit Michigan. They took advantage of that opportunity. So Michigan, I think, is looking pretty well-rounded as well. So it's going to be a dogfight. And I think home field advantage is probably going to play a real key role in a bunch of these games. You know, Penn state is going to get Michigan at home. I like Penn state's chances a lot better at home, 
Uh, but going on the road to Ohio State is never easy. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Ohio State goes to Michigan this year. Uh, I forget if, which where where that game is this year. I've mm-hmm. lost the track of the rotation, but um, obviously Michigan has to solve an Ohio State problem under Jim Harbaugh anyway. So you know, no matter where that game's played, you know, there's a lot of intrigue there. Is this the year where Michigan can pull off a win against Ohio State? I don't know, but does home field advantage come into play? We'll we'll just have to wait and see. And then there's that Michigan State team, that you know, that pesky Michigan State team just keeps winning games. Uh, they're going to hang in there. They're going to cause some trouble. I don't think that that's the team that rises above these other three that we just mentioned, but they're going to take somebody off. And <laughs> it could be Michigan. It could be Penn State. Uh, you know, it's it's so it's so competitive. It's so physical. Uh, there's going to be a lot of bruises to come here with the way that these games are going to line up. I don't know who um, is going to run the table against all four of them or all three of them, but I still think uh, you know, my feelings about this division haven't really changed from the start of the season and in the preseason. I still think Ohio State's going to be the team to beat. You know, I haven't really been swayed otherwise. I know they've got the loss to Oregon, but again, you know, I just feel like there's just too much talent there. So I still think that this is a division that goes through Columbus, but it could take a detour somewhere, and I don't know where that's going to be yet. Yeah, I think, and uh, again, that game is going to be in Ann Arbor on November 27th. It's uh, currently an 11 a.m. Central time if you're on that side of the Big Ten kickoff and what would be local time in Michigan. So that's obviously going to be a huge game there. But I think what all this is, and the rankings show, is that everyone in the Big Ten has already proven themselves to this point in the non-conference schedule by beating up on just about everybody else in the Big Ten. The teams who were rising up to the top have shown that they deserve to be there right now. And if you're thinking big picture, if you're talking like from the conference offices, I think the Big Ten is formulating something that is really ideal for what you want as far as a college football playoff resume. When you see five teams in the top 10, you're not thinking about putting a team in the college football playoff. The Big Ten does that every year. You're thinking about, can we get this second team from the Big Ten in the CFP? So when you're thinking about what kind of resume is a second team going to have, if Iowa wins out, they're going to be that first team, Big Ten championship lock in. If they're bringing in a resume as a second team, it would be going undefeated and then losing in that Big Ten championship game. That's a really strong resume, given the wins that Iowa already has on its resume too looking over at the other side in that division whoever comes out on top is going to have beaten up on whoever else is in there in the east enough that their resume is going to be good enough that win or lose that big 10 championship game you think they're going to have a really really good look as a second potential college football playoff team so having on one side that kind of dominant force that sure thing in iowa they're going to be there at the end and on the other side having this kind of battle and being able to fight it out to be at the top it's kind of having the best of both worlds if you ask me i mean you look at like the acc clemson was the team back there kind of like the iowa in that division but the other side of the acc wasn't all that good the sec west for years every year still is it's a fight to win and fight to get into the college football playoff because you know if you get out of that side you're going to be an sec championship game win even if you need it maybe you don't from making it in not saying that the big 10 east is the sec west but the big 10 has both of those things right now it's got a really solid dog fight with teams who 
right now nationally, not just here in the conference, but around the nation, people are recognizing are really, really good. And on the other side has an Iowa team that has not only proven itself against non-conference and conference foes like some of those teams like, but it is really now set up where it's going to be there no matter what. I feel like the idea of the Big Ten taking over that second spot before it's really been, is the SEC going to get two spots or is one of the other conferences going to get a team in? If the Big Ten wants to take over that kind of second chance, second bid chance, at large bid chance, I think it's built up right now with the kind of story it's put together through these first six weeks, the kind of teams that can do it this season, especially with what we've seen around the rest of college football. Alabama just lost. A whole bunch of teams are already losing. I think this is the year the Big Ten can do it. And everyone just keeps winning in a way where like three, four weeks ago, I would have said, this is a long shot. Now, I think it could actually happen, Kev. And I think the the possibility, I do think it's very realistic. I think probably the most favorable scenario that could be in play for two Big Ten teams in would probably be for Iowa to run the table mm-hmm. with the Big Ten championship. So they would go, what, 13-0. and And then to have Michigan be the team that comes out of this Big Ten East without taking a hit. Because if Michigan and Iowa meet in the Big Ten championship game and neither team has a loss, you know that the winner is going to be in the playoff. There's a very likely scenario that Georgia is going to be playing Alabama in the SEC championship. Alabama already has a loss in their schedule. No two lost team has ever made this playoff. So the way that Georgia has been playing, it's very possible that Georgia could beat Alabama and knock Alabama out of it. So you don't have your two SEC team scenario. And all of a sudden that just plays right into Michigan's hands, because even if Michigan doesn't beat Iowa, you know, they're going to have wins against Penn state, Ohio state and Michigan state all very well are going to be ranked when those games are played. Uh, they've also, you know, accumulated some good wins already, you know, uh, have looked pretty good. So I think that plays into their hands a little bit. Now, again, we still got to see what happens elsewhere around the country. You know, do you trust anyone to come out of the big 12 undefeated that could throw a wrinkle into it? We'll see what happens with this Cincinnati thing once again, still. But I think that the, the scenario now with Alabama losing to Texas A&M the other night, it becomes much more of a realistic discussion. Long way to go, lots of football to be played, and it could all be foiled in the next couple of weeks anyway. Who knows? But, you know, for right now, I think if you're the Big Ten, it is a possibility. And, you know, you, and it could be a possibility without Ohio State being one of those teams. That's what's even yeah. more remarkable about, it. you know, and I guess if Ohio State is the team that runs the table, you know, they only have the one loss to Oregon, but, you know, one loss Big, 12, a Big Ten champion in Ohio State, very strong case to be in the playoff again with all those ranked opponents. And then if Iowa's the team that gets knocked off, you know, where's Iowa ranked when that Big Ten championship game is played? If it's a close game, it doesn't it doesn't look like they would fall very far. So it's fun to talk about. Yeah, I don't know. Again, this all could be a moot point in the matter of weeks, but that the way that this season has been going. But for right now, just capturing things in this moment, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. This all could happen. None of it could happen and none of this matters or this all could happen. And like you said, Oklahoma and Cincinnati goes undefeated and it still doesn't matter. I mean, it's all still stuff that has to play out. But in a minute, we'll talk about something that has already played out. The Big Penn State game against Iowa on Saturday was not exactly the result that Kevin's Nittany Lions wanted. But of course, we'll talk about what it means for the east side of the Big Ten and how exactly it went down from Kevin's eyes. We'll ask him about turnovers. 
quarterback situations, all sorts of stuff going on with the Nittany Lions and a big game in Iowa from over the weekend right here on Locked On Big Ten. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever for football season. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. But with a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Again, Use our promo code LOCKED ON for a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at Bet Online. Go take a look at their new look and all the new things they have to offer for your betting needs. It's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Built Bar has been a sponsor here at Locked On for a while. You already know all about their products. A new flavor out this week Cookie Dough Chunk. It's one, I mean, it just sounds good. It's one of those that just sounds really nice. Some of them, honestly, you have to sell. I'm not a huge fan of something like a coconut almond or salted caramel. Maybe that's up your alley. It's not mine. I feel like cookie dough chunk is something that just about everyone can get behind. So if you're a fan of Built Bar, you're going to want to try out this new flavor. If you haven't tried them out, now's the time to get in. Again, you're just getting cookie dough and chocolate in a protein bar that's really good for you too head on over to builtbar.com and if you do end up making an order you can use our promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your order that's locked 15 over at builtbar.com built bar is your place to go for all of your protein and energy needs while also making sure you're staying healthy Back in Unlocked on Big Ten, we've got Kevin McGuire in on the show here today as we thank you for being our first listen every single day. Kevin is usually our Tuesday co-host here on the show, but we had him switch in with Jay Stevens. Our Buckeyes host will be in on the show on Tuesday to talk about his team and everything else that happened in the Big Ten. But today we're talking about the top of the conference as we just did and the biggest game from the weekend. Iowa wins over Penn State in a comeback fashion And after a game that leaves plenty of question marks here for Kevin's Nittany Lions team. Kevin, I want to start by a first half question here. It was a lot of turnovers by Sean Clifford early on. He got hurt, and we'll talk about that later on. But he had opportunities to get Penn State up big early. This team ends up only up seven going into the half, was it? If I'm remembering exactly how the scoring went right. 17 to 10 but it could have been more. Where were you at at halftime with what this team is doing and like feeling, I I don't know. How do you feel? How do you feel? You're winning the game. You feel like you should be winning the game by more. You did just see your quarterback turn the ball over three times. It's I take me into your head into where you're at in that 15 minute break. Let's get this out of the way. Cause I know we'll dive into it a little bit more, but if Sean Clifford plays all four quarters of that game, I firmly believe that Penn State gets out of there with the win because as the moment that I had down, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hate to hate to jump ahead of you, but yeah, you know, honestly, uh, when Sean Clifford, the last play that Sean Clifford was on the field for was uh, just before Penn State kicked a field goal to put them up seventeen to three at the time, I guess midway through the second quarter. Uh, so the next time the Penn State's offense comes on the field, they're up seventeen to ten because Iowa comes back uh, with a nice answer to cut the lead to seventeen ten, and I'm thinking, all right, well, all right. No Sean Clifford. That's alarming. <laughs> we don't know what the status is at that point before halftime, but he goes to the locker room. Not a not a promising look. Take Roberson comes in 
uh, very young, very inexperienced, and it's the worst possible scenario to throw that kind of a quarterback in against this Iowa defense on the road. Uh, so I just kind of figured at the moment, you know, just kind of weather the storm for the rest of this half. Let's go into halftime and see if they can kind of regroup. If they have to change their offensive strategy, so be it. And, and maybe that was the case. Maybe that was the plan. They just didn't want to, they just wanted to make sure that he didn't ruin anything with the time that he had left before halftime. So going in at halftime up 17 and 10, it's a little concerning because we don't know what has him, what happened with Sean Clifford or what it, whether or not he was going to be back. But, you know, if it was going to be Taquan Roberson the rest of the way, then there were some concerns because we've talked about it before. Penn State can't run the football and being able to run the football would have helped out a whole lot uh, with the, with that kind of quarterback situation. So it was tough. So you kind of figure, all right, well, the defense has come up big time and time again this season can you ask them to win you one more half of football? And for the third quarter, it looks fine. You know, they go into the fourth quarter, uh, still in a pretty good spot, but then the offense just wasn't there in the second half at all. You know, credit Iowa for, first of all, terrific special teams, pinning them back as often as they did. That was incredible. And then the defense for that Iowa has just uh, was feasting on a, a young, inexperienced quarterback. So kudos to them for seizing the moment. Uh, Penn State just it was one of those games where you could see that things were slowly unraveling. You were just waiting for that final gut punch and uh, the 44 yard pass from Spencer Petras to um, I forget the guy's name that scored it now, but <laughs> it was a backbreaker. And the way that the offense was not producing, you just kind of knew that that was it. You know, you still had half of a fourth quarter left to play, but the way that this game was going, uh, there was no chance. So, uh, you know, you just kind of get through this game, hopefully no more injuries and then just kind of go into the bye week regroup and, See where you are from there. So, yeah, some questions for sure. Uh, but, you know, all in all, not the worst possible loss, just not at all the way that I think Penn State fans were hoping. Again, if Sean Clifford plays the whole four quarters, I do think it's a different story. But, you know, injuries happen, and you got to tip your cap to the opponent sometime, and that's what I'm doing with Iowa. Well, like, I, I think you're right, and I think you make that argument well, and you can easily make it about, about Sean Clifford being able to be out there and winning that game. But, I don't think that obviously that means you're uh, terribly happy about what you saw out of him and his performance. The offense looked really good when he was not turning the ball over. I'll, I'll give it that, that there were good drives put together by the Penn state teams in that first half. But at the same time, I, I mean, you've talked about it last week. It, it was the turnovers. that was the big question going into that weekend. Sean Clifford threw three picks in that first half. Where are you at emotionally with your quarterback? Two interceptions, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I think the third one might have been by Roberson. Oh yes, uh, I think you might have been right. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say no, no. The first interception that Clifford threw was right at the beginning of the game. You know, Penn State was backed up against their own end zone basically, and the first play from scrimmage, he's picked off right around the eight yard line. That's one of those mistakes that we talked about that he made last season that really came back to haunt them. Fortunately, the defense held strong, you know, forced Iowa to kick a field goal. <laughs> Ultimately, that comes back to bite him, too, because maybe going to overtime. I don't know. But uh, that was a killer mistake. He responded, though, because the very next drive he had, he drove him right down the field, scored a touchdown. Uh, they scored another touchdown. Uh, if it wasn't the next possession they had, it was the one after that. So I thought they actually played pretty well. I know he had two interceptions in the first quarter. Uh, but again, the one was the terrible mistake. One was one of those deep balls that they're going to take chances every time, you know, a couple of times a game going down the field to Jihad Dotson. Why wouldn't you? Even against the secondary, I think you had to try it. Uh, so it's more of an arm punt situation. I don't know if that's necessarily a terrible turnover. Uh, I don't think anything came out of it because Penn State's defense, once again, was not giving up much in the first half. So 
I'm not going to be as critical of Sean Clifford. I thought he actually had a overall pretty decent performance up until he was gone. But like I said, you know, when he was on the field, Penn State was basically up 17 to three. I don't know how much more you could have asked for him in one half a play, less than one half a play against that defense. that's only been given up 12 points a game. So overall, I was actually satisfied with what we saw out of Sean Clifford. Uh, again, two interceptions. Yeah, I get it. It doesn't look great on the stat sheet, but I think um, I'm only going to be critical of him for one. Um, but yeah, it, it would have been nice to score a touchdown in that last possession that he had rather than settle for the field goal. And then again, that could be a whole difference of the game too. Uh, big mistakes on offense were a problem early on in the second half. Uh, some big mistakes for the defense, big plays, uh, penalties that in a couple spots ended up hurting the team. It was something how much do you attribute to them just being out on the field a lot as opposed to anything that's of real concern to you going forward? Yeah, it was one of those games where, like I said, the defense was going to have to win the, the game in the second half. And with the field position that Iowa was winning all in that second half, I don't think you could have asked too much more out of the defense. They probably just ran out of gas and they got caught looking in a couple of big play opportunities that Iowa took advantage of. Um, you know, with the way that the offense wasn't giving them any help at all, it, it was bound to happen as good as this Penn state defense is. And I still think it's really good. Um, you know, you can only ask them to save you so many times. And I, I just don't feel like they, they, they didn't have enough in the tank there. They were getting beat up though. And I know that was a little bit of a controversial thing. You know, a lot of Penn state players were down on the field. Iowa fans weren't particularly happy about it. I don't know. If they were faking the injuries or not, I, I can't say one way or the other, 100% sure. Um, but I do know that some of the players that were going down aren't exactly the players that Penn State would want to be missing any time on the field. So I, I don't know where that goes into play. But I do think that it was a physical game. And uh, yeah, they, they certainly got beat up a little bit by a physical off the Iowa offense. So again, I think at some point, you have to realize that maybe the other team just deserved it a little bit more. They kind of hung in there. And Iowa finally found some opportunities. They didn't get many big plays, but when they got the big plays, they were real backbreakers for Penn State. So, you know, all in all, I think the defense did almost as much as you could have asked in that particular situation with the, the offense and a backup quarterback that just wasn't giving you anything. I'll give you a question I never really thought made sense before we let you go, Kevin. Going out of Iowa, do you feel like Iowa won this game or did Penn State lose it? See, I'm going to say that Iowa won the game because they seized the moment, right? And I know a lot of Penn State fans that I've been dealing with on Twitter, they're, they're saying, well, you know, Iowa only won because Sean Clifford was knocked out. I tend to agree with that idea, but at the same time, Sean Clifford went out of the game with an injury. Again, those things happen. So you have to find a way to prevail. You have to find a way to make some adjustments. I don't know if Penn State was able to make those adjustments or if the adjustments they were trying to make just weren't panning out because they didn't have a quarterback with any experience against an Iowa defense that's been picking off passes left and right this season. So I think it was just an ultimately a terrible situation and scenario for Penn State to get in. Uh, so I give credit to Iowa for winning the game. I think Penn State had their opportunities, even with a backup quarterback. They just were not able to take advantage. Uh, some bad clock management come, came back to haunt them a little bit. But, you know, I'm never going to take away credit for a team coming back from a 17-3 deficit to win. Uh, I think it's more on Iowa winning the game and doing the things that they needed to do rather than Penn State kind of blowing it. Now, if Sean Clifford was in that game for all four quarters and they blew a 17 to three lead. It's a different opinion for me. But for right now, given the scenario, I say that Iowa won the game. 
Well, we've got plenty more Big Ten football to break down throughout the rest of the season with Kevin McGuire, usually on Tuesdays, but joining us here on a Monday. I'm not sure exactly. I don't have the timer on, but I'm pretty sure our first segment went long enough where we're out of time now. Kevin, thanks for joining us here on a Monday show and taking time out of the usual schedule to switch up with Jay Stevens, our Monday this week, Tuesday host. He'll be on the show with us tomorrow to break down all the other games in the Big Ten. We really just talked about the biggest and the best of what's going on in the conference right now. Plenty more of the matchups from the weekend to talk about still here tomorrow. And of course, we'll break down everything else that breaks in news around the conference right here on Locked On Big Ten. Kevin is, of course, the host of Locked On Nittany Lions every weekday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Kevin, remind people where they can hear the show get updates on everything you're doing there and everything else that you're up to. Yeah, obviously you can check out Locked on Nittany Lions. We've got the YouTube channel up there. Even though Penn State's on a bye week this week, we've got a lot to discuss. So you don't want to make sure you, you miss a single episode. Uh, so we'll be on YouTube every day this week. Of course, we also do it in audio format on the Odyssey app or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcasts and making Locked on Big Ten your first listen. Maybe make Locked on Nittany Lions your second listen. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. Got to beat the bye. That's something for Penn State to do here this week. I think we might have Jacob Rude on from Locked on Hoosiers to see what Indiana did to try and clean up its mess over its bye week at some point this week, speaking of which. But again, that's later on this week here on Locked on Big Ten. Again, Jay Stevens in tomorrow to recap the rest of the weekend around the conference. Until then, I'm Nate Dickinson here with Locked on.